The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Welcome to Marsh Chapel. The chapel's Gothic nave, built to lift the spirit, welcomes you. The chapel's 60-year history at the heart of Boston University welcomes you. The chapel's regard for persons and personality, both in its conic stained glass windows and in its current ministry, welcomes you. The chapel's familiar love of music, weekday and Sunday, welcomes you. The chapel's congregation of caring, loving souls welcomes you this day in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, homily, and music in this hour are offered to the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us here. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, and particularly today, we are honored to welcome our Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the direction of Mr. Herbert Jones. Their voice and their presence inspire us, along with the partnership with our chancel choir this day. As we are able, may we stand together in the praise of God.
May we pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, together we are invited during the singing of the Kyrie to offer our own prayers of confession, individual and collective. Our age as much as, and perhaps more than, any other. Hungers for the language of contrition, longs for the spirit of compunction, yearns for the courage of confession. Together we face the darkness of violence, the ignorance of greed, the corruption of religion. So we seek the one thing needful in a time of various forms of ruin, a desire for pardon given by the breath of God, together in silence. As the choir offers our Kyrie, may we pray. beloved, together we worship the God of pardon and of peace. You know God to be a pardoning God. This is the gospel, the good news. For if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. A lesson from the Epistle to the Hebrews. Chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 and 19 through 25. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. 
For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 113 with the antiphon. servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. Praise the Lord. the reading of the gospel, and the singing of the hymn. According to St. Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, 
And what will be the sign that all of these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. Come Sunday, each Sunday, we hope there will be a little apocalypse, just a moment, a prayer, a minute, a song, a hymn, a word, a moment of silence when there is just a, a little moment of revelation in which we might be reminded to consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. So to look upon this visible congregation and to imagine the listening congregation is 
a joy it brings a smile to one's lips to listen and to see and to think of the various forms of provocation in which you all, or as we say in the plural, all you all, have been involved over the last weeks and months and this past year. We're coming to the end of our reading in the Gospel of Mark for this cycle of the lectionary, and one considers over time the provocations to love and good works, those thoughtful moments, those acts of kindness, those, well, just scanning the congregation for a minute, those fellowship moments and parties, those weddings to which we may have been invited, those considerations and studies and programs and magazines, those gatherings for informal fellowship, those moments of conversation in the pastor's study, those interactions and incarnations of a a little apocalypse. One Sunday evening, a few of us stood here on the steps of Marsh Chapel as the Inner Strength Gospel Choir had gathered for, I think it was their second, might have been their first rehearsal of the season. The chancel was full. The evening was warm, and we stood on the steps, and the sound carried all the way out and across Commonwealth Avenue, and those who had been walking back from a certain baseball game stopped and listened. Some came forward. One came in, one came in with her bicycle for a moment. We don't recommend the procedure, but it was a little apocalypse. It was a moment in time of of revelation. It was a point at which we had learned to provoke one another to acts of love and good works. This is a a Sunday, and come Sunday we think about just a little apocalypse. And that is fitting today because the passage which Elizabeth Siwo Okunde Jones so beautifully read earlier is an account sometimes called the little apocalypse. It's a moment of um, revelatory prophecy in the Gospels. It's found here in Mark 13 and so-called because it is not the larger apocalypse, that of the revelation, that is the apocalypse, to St. John. The passage from Mark 13 is sometimes so-called, and the reading is a place in the gospel where and when we overhear the troubles of the Markan community. As said earlier this fall, they face or they endure in the composition of the gospel in that age, they endure or face the prospect of persecution. They're facing trouble. And when we face trouble, as we have personally and as we have collectively across the last 10 days in this country and around the globe, we wonder whether the end is in sight. And the gospel writer records the Lord's response. The Mark and Jesus so responds, the end is not yet. The end is not here. There may be trouble. There may be trauma. There may be even persecution, but the end is not here. And in the end, if you were to follow come Sunday afternoon the reading of Mark 13 all the way to its end, we will be counseled that no one can see the future and that we should therefore be watchful learning, considering how to provoke one another to love and acts of good in the community of faith. 
Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. What a remarkable, what a beautiful admonition. Taken as a whole, the New Testament books, while shot through with language, apocalyptic language, and imagery, apocalyptic imagery, like that found in Mark 13, that is, expectations of the end of time current at the time these books were written, these books as a whole, including our passage today, move away from apocalyptic thought. Some temper that thought, some discard it. The Gospel of Mark tempers it, the Gospel of John discards it, but all move away from the inheritance of apocalyptic language and imagery. In its place, in the main, the New Testament books proclaim a way of living, well, we could call it, in thanksgiving. A way of living, well, we might name it, in love. And in our day and in our particular part of history, including these past several days, with their own troubles and their own trauma, we may want to take a clear reminder with us, come Sunday, of a little apocalypse, a little revelation, a little stirring up, stirring up of one another, stirring up of one another to love and good works. Howard Thurman helps us to consider such. Every year about this time, I reread his seasonal prayer, speaking of a little apocalypse. Listen to it again. Today I make my sacrament of thanksgiving. I begin with the simple things of my days, fresh air to breathe, cool water to drink, the taste of food, the protection of houses and clothes, the comforts of home. For these I make my act of thanksgiving. I bring to mind all the warmth of humankind that I have known, my mother's arms, the strength of my father, the playmates of my childhood, the wonderful stories brought to me from the lives of many who, walk, who talked of days gone by when fairies and giants and all kinds of magic held sway, the tears I have shed, the tears I have seen, the excitement of laughter and the twinkle in the eye with its reminder that life is good for all these, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I finger one by one the messages of hope that awaited me at the crossroads, the smile of approval from those who held in their hands the reins of my security, the tightening of the grip in a simple handshake when I feared the step before me in darkness, the whisper in my heart when the temptation was fiercest and the claims of appetite were not to be denied, the crucial words said, the simple sentence from an open page when my decision hung in the balance. For all these, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I pass before me the main springs of my heritage, the fruits of labors of countless generations who lived before me, without whom my own life would have no meaning, the seers who saw visions and dreamed dreams, the prophets who sensed a truth greater than the mind could grasp, and whose words would only find fulfillment in the years which they would never see. The workers whose sweat has watered the trees, the leaves of which are for the healing of the nations. 
the pilgrims who set their sails for lands beyond all horizons, whose courage made paths into new worlds and far-off places, the saviors whose blood was shed with a recklessness that only a dream could inspire and God could command. For all this, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I linger over the meaning of my own life and the commitment to which I give the loyalty of my heart and mind, the little purposes in which I have shared my loves, my desires, my gifts, the restlessness which bottoms all I do with its stark insistence that I have never done my best, I have never dared to reach for the highest, and that big hope that never quite deserts me, that I and my kind will study war no more, that love and tenderness and all the inner graces of almighty affection will cover the life of the children of God as the waters cover the sea. All these and more, more than my mind can think and heart can feel, I make as my sacrament of thanksgiving to thee, almighty God, in humbleness of mind and simplicity, of heart. A little, a little apocalypse. A former neighbor and fellow pastor, now gone to glory, Max Coots, had a way of helping us to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Every year about this time, with happiness for his life and voice, I remember his poem to that effect. Let us give thanks for the bounty of people, he wrote, for children who are our second planting. And though they grow like weeds and the wind too soon blows them away, may they forgive us our cultivation and fondly remember where their roots are. For generous friends with hearts and smiles as bright as their blossoms, for feisty friends as tart as apples, for continuous friends who, like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we've had them, for crotchety friends as sour as rhubarb and as indestructible, for handsome friends who are as gorgeous as eggplants and as elegant as a row of corn, and the other plain as potatoes, and as good for you. For funny, for funny friends who are as silly as Brussels sprouts and as amusing as Jerusalem artichokes, and for serious friends as complex as cauliflowers and as intricate as onions. For friends as unpretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, as persistent as parsley, as delightful as dill, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you through the winter. For old friends nodding like sunflowers in an evening time, and young friends coming on fast as radishes, for loving friends who wind around us like tendrils and hold us despite our blights, wilts, and witherings. And finally, for those friends now gone, like gardens past, that have been harvested and who fed us in their times that we might have life thereafter. For all these, we give thanks. A little 
apocalypse. Beloved, to conclude, our very language, our way of speaking, helps us to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The gospel reminds us that every day is our last, that every day we are called to live the full assurance of faith to the very best of our ability, to the very best of your ability. We do it with similes that call us to live with faithful assurance, to live with our utmost faithfulness, to live by encouraging one another to be as bold as brass, as safe as a church, as pretty as a picture, as rich as Rockefeller, as easy as pie, as happy as a lark, or as happy as a clam, as old as Methuselah, as cold as ice, as neat as a pin, as tall as a mountain, as fit as a fiddle, as pretty as a picture, as deep as the ocean, as high as the sky, as gentle as a lamb, a little apocalypse. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. May this be the way our community is known, our church is seen, and our lives are measured. And may this be the way we are named by others. Amen. As our hearts and minds attune to the spirit of prayer, I invite you to stand, kneel where you are, come to the communion rail, or remain seated while we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. for your prayers for God's people throughout the world, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people. Pray for the church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed, 
especially the victims of the tragedy at Fort Hood, and for all the veterans who gave their lives in service for our country. Pray for those who have died. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. Heavenly Father, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill our petitions, we pray. Not as we ask in our ignorance, not as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As our, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel this morning and would note a, a special welcome to the Inner Strength Gospel Choir singing with us this morning. Thank them for their presence and also note that their first concert of the year will be this coming Friday, November 20th at 7.30 p.m. right here in the Nave of Marsh Chapel. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at the George Sherman Union or you can buy tickets at the door. Also musical offerings next weekend, the Marsh Chapel Choir next Sunday during our 11 o'clock service will offer the second in our Bach Cantata series. We hope you will join us for that. And also that our, our university service of lessons and carols will take place here on Friday, December 11th at 6 p.m. And we hope you will join us. And if you can't be here for that Friday, um, the service will be repeated during the 11 o'clock hour the following Sunday, December 13th. 
For those who will not be with family or friends over the holiday, uh, Thanksgiving holiday, we hope that you will come join us here at Marsh Chapel at 1 p.m. for a Thanksgiving meal. For more information, see the chapel website or Micah Christian. Also, that uh, would note that this week at evening prayer, uh, the former dean of Marsh Chapel, the Reverend Dr. Robert Cummings-Neville, will be back with us as celebrant, and we hope that you, those of you who might like to greet him will join us then. Would note that next Sunday following the service will be the, uh, a Marsh Women's Gathering at the Deanery, 96 Bay State Road, and women in the congregation may wish to uh, join uh, Jan Hill and others there following the service. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
loving God, what you have given to us, we now offer back to you as a small token of our thanks. Encourage us to continue the giving of our many gifts to you and one another throughout each day. Amen. Jesus, we ask thee to stay close by us forever. 
and love us, we pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Amen.